You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. So Sid Talk, why, why don't you like brushing your hair? What is this? What is this? Wait, wait, are you ambushing me? Y- yes. <laughs> oh, this was the this was like one second ago. They really before the after the show discussion. I hate brushing my hair. I you know, know what I hate that See, chair that makes that noise all the I time. I can't help it. I've perfected this chair now. If you um, want me to be happy with the chair, now I'm happy with the chair. Let's get on and talk about my hair. Our nephew said to me yesterday. He was sat there, <laughs> sat there for several hours playing a game, and he said, "Why is there no back on this chair?" And I said. <laughs> I think your I think your aunt took it off. He goes, "Why is that better?" Because <laughs> my chair and I love it. <laughs> and he was sat there like, "Back to my hair. <laughs> I have never liked combing my hair or brushing my hair ever, ever, ever. Little child, blonde. I'm like super blonde hair, stringy, really thin, and ratted up really bad all the time. So my mom would sit me between her knees on I'd sit on the floor, and she'd push her knees against my arms to hold me." And then use one of those pink, sadistic brushes, like pink handle with the bristles. So you not associate like that. that with torture now, don't you? Yes, and she'd brush it, you know, and she'd hold it, and she'd do everything she could not to make it hurt. But I was like, ah, ah, oh, and it just, I just hated it, hated it. I would do everything to fake her out. I would do anything to make it not look like it was ready, like comb the very top. But you could tell, because my hair is so thin. Actually. So now I hate it. Actually, a funny story about this, right? <laughs> When you when you brush some, I've got longish hair, but when I was younger, I had short hair. But still, when you brush or comb hair, what is this podcast about? <laughs> it hurts, right? Yes. Now the hairdresser that used to, we had a home hairdresser who'd come to your house in the car and then cut your hair, right? Like they, they came once a month and everybody got their hair cut, and she used to just. I nod, but I have no idea. We don't have that hair. Yeah, well, she's just a mobile hairdresser. That's what they called. She'd come cut the hair, but she used to like comb it, you know. Get the brush and yep. do, do what you just said. Yeah. And I would cringe and go, ah, and she'd say, nobody is hair sore, so you're just making that up. <laughs> she said, it, there is no there is no hair sore. People are not hair sore, they just think they are, and then she'd just carry on doing well, it. Your hair doesn't hurt, obviously. No, like, she was saying that it doesn't hurt, like, hair there's no sore. hurting. Hair oh, sore, she calls it. She right. Calls it. As well, in, she's... I... You, you comb hair, and that pain that you do get, which is in your scalp because it's mm-hmm. being pulled. Exactly. She says that that doesn't exist. It's just in your mind, and carried on doing it. Like Ugh. that was her validation of. Like, My mom acknowledged the pain. She was just like, just this hairdresser. No she'd way. Just be like, you're just gonna have to deal with it. I should say, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. I think but... she got a kick out of it, and then she'd just say. You know, I, I'd be like, you just have to get on with it. Right? Wincing in my seat, yeah, just like. But now you brush your hair all the time. I hate it. But I today, brushed it carefully, though. Yeah. And just, she didn't. <laughs> I also cut off a, a few chunks, so it's all different lengths. I've noticed that. Yeah. We'll oh, see how it goes. <laughs> it's a bit bizarre on the back. It's still wet, so... <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have no self-control when it comes to doing whatever the hell I want to my own head. All right, so... I mean, come on. I'm 46. If I want to cut half of my hair, I'm going to cut half my hair. So don't take any tips from us about hairdressing. <laughs> Here's my tip. Cut your own hair. You call it hairdressing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
um, mobile hairdresser. Why don't you have them here? It'd be perfect. You've got massive... I thought you were going to say, why aren't I one? <laughs> no, I'm saying... Because <laughs> people would never call me again. Here? There's there lots of people be. who are in the middle of nowhere. There might be. Who a hairdresser would be perfect. There might right? be. I just don't know of them. I bet there is if you look in the yellow sure. page. Does Do people look in the yellow pages anymore? <laughs> Yellowpages.com. <laughs> Old man. I was thinking that. I was watching something yesterday and a guy was flipping through a phone book. Oh, it was Fargo. He was yeah. flipping. And I was like, wow, a phone book. Yeah, because it's timeless, isn't it, that shit? <laughs> yeah. You're not quiet. But still, I was like, wow, somebody using a phone book. You don't see that every day. Okay, so moving on to the show. It is Saturday, May the 31st. This is after the show number 329. The movie we're looking at this week is... Oh, what is this podcast? It's a movie review show. Yeah, it's nothing to do with nothing hair, to do with hair chairs. Nothing to do with phone books. Or nostalgia. Um, so we review a movie on Blu-ray generally, and this is the one we're reviewing this week. It is non-stop. It's a 2014 movie, brand new. It's not out until the 10th of June, so a couple of weeks yet. And it's rated PG-13 from our friends at Universal. So this is an early look at it. And Sid Talk, give us the synopsis for non-stop. Hmm... A dude is on a plane. He seems suspicious and paranoid at the same time. Everyone seems suspicious and paranoid. Some crazy shit goes down. And um, it's basically potentially a disaster movie on the airplane. Which, of course, everyone these days is just aching for. True. Well, no. No. <laughs> exactly. No. So, um, yeah, non-stop. It's uh, starring Liam Neeson. It's an action movie, similar to an action movie we watched last week, um, Jack Ryan, which is more of a thriller. This is more a thriller, too, actually. But what this movie... I, w- I was looking forward to an action movie this afternoon, and we watched an action movie. And what this movie reminds me of it, is it's kind of old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Even though it features a lot of today's technology and everything. It's that old-fashioned... Um, we're trapped in a bus or a train or a plane or whatever, and something bad is going to happen, and the suspense that entails pending doom. Yeah, and it feels and there's no escape. No, so you're trapped, and you just have to go with it, and it's full of twists and turns. It's also old-fashionedly written in terms of dialogue, because there's a lot of it's not exposition, but like you already know what's going on, and then it's telegraphed from person to person, which is interesting. Because I guess when you think about it, in a lot of action movies, you don't realize our main character usually knows what's going on. The bad guy knows what's going on. And then through their path and journey together, everyone kind of jumps on board. And we never see them finding out that the bad guy's in that building and that he's got a bomb and all that shit. In this movie, he tells people and then he tells people again and then he tells them again. It's it's a bit weird. Yeah. But I kind of liked it because it reminds you that, yeah, all those people around you don't know what's going on unless you tell them. Right. But you already know what's going on, so it's a li- it was a little bit weird. But that seemed old-fashioned to me, too. Yeah, it just felt to me like an old-fashioned action movie. Like a... like a What's the Steven Seagal one where they're trapped on the plane? It's, it's, it's just like that movie. It just doesn't have Steven Seagal. It has Liam Neeson instead. It's... it's I know. Or Air Force One. I know it's a different scenario, Passenger but... Passenger 57? No, that's Wesley Snipes, right? Mm-hmm. But, yes, or Air Force One, just a trapped Con airplane. Air. It's got, yeah, Con Air's a little twist on it because mm-hmm. they're prisoners. But still, it's it's all that, isn't it? You know, you can't get out of this plane. It's a pressure cooker. Something's going to happen. Airplane. Yeah. Um, but a disaster movie also. Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. 
Um, it's it's kind of an enjoyable movie, but it's really dumb, like super dumb. Like uh, yep. I felt dumb watching it. I was like, wow, this is. Are they trying to be clever? Oh no, they're not clever at all, are they? Like I felt they were trying to be clever in parts to kind of throw you off, but then they weren't. When you think back, they were never trying. No, because be they're showing you and telling you over and over yeah. what's happening, what happened, who did what, how did they do it, how did so, they do it. So what it does make it a very simple plot, and you... the only mystery is what she does for a living. Yeah, <laughs> but that was kind of interesting. And you don't. Um... Now they throw like loads of red herrings in. It's almost like a who done it in the air. Do you think it's the beginning of a franchise? No, I don't actually think it is. No. Mm. Um, because he's like hero air marshal guy. I felt uh, it felt kind of one off to me, you mm. know, like like I was going to say like Taken, but there's actually going to be three of those soon. But Taken <laughs> felt like it wasn't supposed to be a franchise no, either. It, yeah, true. So what's the odds this guy gets involved in something like this again? High, highly likely. Hmm. You mean like okay, motherfucker? <laughs> yeah. Pardon me. Um. Explicit. So yeah, it it feels kind of old fashionedly dumb. When you're watching it, but then it's exciting enough to keep you entertained, and it's well made. Aside from some dodgy CGI, which I a little bit. You mean the yeah, yeah. some of the plainy stuff um, from outside didn't look the best it could. But I feel that it was possibly a cheapish to make. You know, I don't think it's a huge. Oh, you spent all the money on the set. That set, yeah, very pricey. Obviously, the set in, they built an inside of a plane, and it's a really elaborate. Inside of a plane, it, I was like, "Wow, I it's wanna, a very nice plane." I want to be in first. If you don't class. fly very much. <laughs> if you fly much, you'll be like, "That's a very." I kept nice thinking plane. of Titanic That's every nice time bathroom. I looked at it. What? Titanic what? kept coming to mind because, like, steerage and first, like, the, like, because the first half of the movie, they stay in first class, like where our hero is, and um. Like halfway through the movie, they go and look at the other part of the plane because they they go there. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> like they're like cattle in a box, and mm-hmm. these guys are out living it up. It's just like the Titanic, but we do it every day. Like yep. people fly every day, and they're treated really well. And these people aren't treated terribly, but they've got no room for the legs. I wouldn't and- say I'd refuse first first class if somebody wanted to pay for it, but I would never pay for it. Have you never been upgraded? Never, never even asked. Well, you don't ask generally. They just come to you, like, and say, "Hey, no." No. Never. Never um, been on any lists or anything. So, sometimes they just upgrade people just to fill the first class up. I don't actually understand why they do it. Is it just to be nice? Well, I can tell you this. I've been on a very small plane with like 25 people where there's one row of seats on one side and two on the other. And they had to move people around for the weight on the plane. Now, on a big plane, they actually said, we have to move. Yeah. Some people from I over here and over here because all the, all the front and the side were all empty. So they had to move people around. That's what they said. But on a big plane, I mean, I don't know. I guess you're, if you moved, if you took, if you had like 10 empty seats in the front and you moved 10 people up there, that's potentially two, I mean, if everybody's 100, 150 to 200 pounds, that's a few thousand pounds. So I guess that makes sense. I was also thinking, is this a uh, priority when you... A plane is a plane, and always the poor seats are at the back and the rich seats are at the front. Is it safer at the front? Is that a... Are you paying extra for safety? Think about it. If you're crashing, front ain't safe. No. It's just to get but on is and off more, faster, is I there think. more ballast there if it crashes into water? Are you more likely to be... No, I think it's because you get off and on first. 
Is that all it is? The reason it's at the front? I mean, they're the that's the big shot thing, isn't it? One of the big shot things. Mm. First class gets on first. It's not something I... I've... That's the thing. First class gets on first. Mm-hmm. First. Then people with disabilities and old ladies and children. It's, it's all... It's, a, it's, that's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's one of the things that this movie made me think about. I was actually physically thinking about, wow, rich people or business people, they really get an awesome time. Like, And other people... It's, I mean, they pay for it, so fair enough. But they do still. pay for it, but it's the segregation and the little curtain. It's kind of symbolic, like, where these Are there people... any airlines that would have no first class? There must be some cheesy airlines. Yeah, there's a lot you of... You don't be cheesy, but just be like, look, we're Virgin Airs, and you know what? Everybody gets a, a, well, a medium nice seat. There are a lot of um, English airlines that go to Spain that are just shitty. Like, really shitty, because they cost... The small planes don't they have cost, first class. Well, they're not small. They're big 747s, but they... Uh, they're just all kitted out for um, holidays, yeah. holiday goers who are going to pay 50 quid to go to Spain. So the whole thing is just, shitty. you know, shitty. <laughs> yeah. There's no food. I don't mind. No I love flying, so I don't care about the... Those flying. kind of planes. But they did represent it very well. When you look, if you go to the bathroom on a plane, you walk all the way up front, and then you turn around and look, it's you're like sardines. You are crammed yeah. in there. And that's the, the first really thing. big ones. When the camera went into the poor people's part... <laughs> Which is how I refer to it. Um, Steerage. I looked at him. I was like, wow, yeah, they really are crammed together because it's awesome. The first thing I thought when Liam Neeson sat down was, that's like a bed that he sat on. Mm -hmm. And then she reclined a seat and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. Like, and it is like that because, you know, I've never been in first class in in a plane either, but I have seen photographs of it. You've walked through it. I've never walked through it and looked at it really. No. You're just in a hurry to get your seat, but I've looked. No, I've never really it's looked. not that great, but I've never been on one with fancy first class. They're fancy now with the TV Dude, things. Dude, no, so we're talking more about first class than we are about this movie. No, this movie... No, this, <laughs> don't want to discredit this movie. So, this movie, um, yeah, it's... Non-stop is a good um, title for it, because obviously it's a non-stop flight. It's a flight to Britain, actually. I disagree with about... I don't think it was non-stop action or anything. It was very, very sedate, and then it had a peak, and then, at the, and then a peak. It wasn't like... <laughs> Not to me, anyway. I thought the action was pretty good. Uh, and I thought, I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm no, saying it wasn't it, constant. Not the action. And that's not what I'm referring to anyway. Tension. The suspense of the whole thing. From when he... The opening shot of Liam Neeson to the very end. There's the, the suspense all the time. Like, it, like this guy's not a perfect guy. You know, yeah. he's like an anti-hero type dude. Yeah, he's, you know, it starts off with a shot of him drinking in his car. Um, and then you know kind of what you're in for with this guy. But there was... I'm trying to think if I was guessing at anything. And yes, I was quite a lot, actually. But unfortunately, I like to be surprised by this type of suspense uh, thriller thing. And what actually it ended up as was, when I thought back, was pretty much how it... If you wrote it down on paper... It's a very modern... It's just anti- how it's going to Anti-villain. Now we have anti-villains, so it's a very anti-villainous thing. And, and you know, the, they show a Muslim dude mm-hmm. and to, to make you... you they know, show all types, though. They do show all types. But I liked... I actually liked that part, showing the Muslim dude, because that will actually show... Because a lot of people will automatically watch this movie and go, he's a terrorist. You know, And they're idiots. That's what I'm saying, dumb people. So it... Shines a spotlight on 
how, how dumb everybody how is. How dumb people are, right? Because so, it shows everybody else's reactions as you, well. But then it does, yeah. you notice you have no idea what anyone's motivation is. And I'm not spoiling it because the Muslim guy could be the bad guy in this, but um, I liked how it. I liked how they had a good mix of people, but then oh, there's yeah. a load of um, stereotype, like oh, ex-military God, yeah. dude and this and that and the other. It's a cop who's on board and yeah. it's kind of hardcore. I mean, yeah, it's. I guess that is. I guess if you go on any flight, there's a mixture of everybody. Absolutely. But there just so happen to be a lot of people who could kick ass and have a fight in this one, because they have to have some fights. Well, there was only three, and there was like 150 people, so I was, think that's fair. Yeah, but there was, you know, got to have some fights. Got to have some fights in this movie. You're on a plane with danger. There's gonna be a fight. And then there's loads of things where I always think about when I watch this type of movie, and the first one is. Um, if you have a plane and there's a bomb on a plane, let's say, for instance, why can't you just throw the bomb out of the plane? I think I hear the TSA. They can hear you talking about this. They're going to come here and hunt you down. <laughs> no, why can't you just throw the bomb out of the plane? You can't open anything on a plane, can you? Not on purpose. The poo comes out of the bomb. Does it? Yes, it does. They jet, they jettison poo in a While plane. While they're flying. Yeah. Just over Amber, over right? the No, over the sea. They but don't, if you never go over the sea? What if I'm going from New York to well, Los Angeles? Well, then they don't jettison it. But on Atlantic flights, they jettison it over the sea. So Really? They throw their garbage in the sea? They throw poo. Excrement. Right, but it's mixed with chemicals and shit. Yeah, they throw shit. it. Read up on that. They do throw poo. At, uh, what I'm saying, though, is that poo comes out of the plane, right? So there's a hole somewhere that goes out of the plane that doesn't affect everybody else. I don't know. So why can't the bomb? Why can't a, a bomb go through the hole? Also, when you say you can't open anything to throw something out, you can so long as the plane's low enough. Right, but they aren't. They're not, but they can go low if they've got a bomb on board. Right. It's just always to me that when it, in a in a you know you can't pick apart this kind of movie. I mean, we understand from watching lots of movies that there can't be any holes in the plane or doors open or windows open. That's just the way it is in movies. That's got to be the way it is in reality. <laughs> I mean, that has to be the way it is. I was scratching my head a few times though. There was well, yes, there was oh. definitely some points near the end where I was like, "What? Why isn't yeah. somebody doing a X, Y, and Z? Because yeah, yeah. nobody is thinking about anything that." Nobody, nobody's getting rational thoughts anymore. Like we're just all out fighting each other. It's like, but you know, it's an action movie, so that's what people want, I guess. Not the, it's not a thinking man's action movie. No, what is it? What is a thinking man's action movie? Oh yeah, that's a good point. What is a thinking one? Like, what's I it? think Skyfall was a little bit, but not really. Mm, it's still, true. It's, it's still basic. shooting and fighting. Yeah. Well, so, so then if you take away it's the just shooting and the fighting, coating. then there's no cleverness. It's just got a glamorous coating, Skyfall. So then there's no cleverness to any shooting and fighting, unless you think there Bourne is, is semi-clever. No, Bourne is Bourne kind is, of. Bourne is, yeah. Actually, Bourne is, because it's got actually an intricate plot along with the fighting. Whereas James Bond often doesn't. It's pretty much like there's a bad guy. and I think Transporter, the first one. It's fairly that's dumb, interesting... Transporter. I'm not saying it's not dumb. I'm saying it's not like... I mean, I didn't think it was anyway, so I guess I'm dumb. Because I didn't think it was dumb. Crank. There you go. <laughs> that's dumb, but I liked it. <laughs> that is in, that, that's actually bordering on insane, that movie, as an action movie. Um, so what did you think of Nonstop? Did you love it, like it? I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. I felt 
It's funny, isn't it? Because one, one of, of my things... things is, you know, if one, if you figure out, if it's supposed to be a suspenseful and they're trying to distract you from who that might be and who's maybe behind this big plot or whatever, and you've already, it's just really obvious to me, and I don't try, it's just like, boom, there it is. The writer wanted to give me this little bitty time, little bomb. And then it's supposed to click, it's supposed to go off later when you go, oh, but it actually goes off in my mind the instant it happens. And then there is no tension because all I need to do is to follow the path to get to there. So I guess watch, it'd be like watching it the second time, right? You already know. This is like watching usual suspects, you know. So now you're just watching it to take the journey kind of. That's how it was. I was like, well, we're just going to wind around to this. Now, there was a little bit of suspicion in my mind for, you know, Magnolia. Yeah. <laughs> well, they threw suspicion yeah, on everybody. Yeah, she was the only one that I actually considered the even possibility the chi- of Even the being, child. Absolutely. But this is a glimmer. But yeah. I thought it all would wind back to the one that I knew. You know what I mean? They literally spent- It would somehow... Spider web back to that person. It's like almost like they spent thirty minutes of the movie making you be suspicious of everybody, like because they go, "Oh, here's this guy," and "Oh, this guy bumps into him," and this guy is like yeah, and pissed off. Know, and yeah. this, they just did that like a lot. So then, then there was a moment where I was like, "Wow, it's, this could be anybody. It could be the pilot. It could." Be I the, never thought that though. The air hostess Except lady. That I who some... They kept look. The camera kept looking at the air hostess lady. That was as a little though, too obvious. As though you were looking at her, going, "Hmm, could be her." <laughs> Right, but it was too, she was yeah, too much like... It was, ter- it was terribly obvious, but it was obvious they wanted you to think her, they wanted yep. you to think the child. So they spent a lot of time building that up. Now, fun- funny thing here, and this is a spoiler, kind of, so uh, just close your ears for a few seconds. This is hilarious, and the funniest thing in the whole movie for me, I loved it. I loved spoiler, it cause spoiler, it's, so if you have time... I loved back. it because it was so stupid. If you're going to smuggle a bomb onto a plane, a bomb, in a briefcase... Um, the best, apparently, according to this film, smuggle it, hide it inside drugs. Perfect. Yeah, but we understand why that was happening. It we wasn't... do, but it's it's just a funny concept. A bomb inside drugs. I don't think it was the first time I've seen that, though. I feel like it was. And when I scraped <laughs> the drugs away and there's a bomb, I was like, this is kind of hilarious. There's a bomb inside wow, drugs. Wow, that didn't even register with me. Interesting. I liked it. It's funny. <laughs> I thought it was really funny. I was like, and then somebody said to him, like, is that coke? Like there was, a, there's a lot of that. Is that blow? I believe blow. The there's a lot of that though. Like almost like, hey, audience, you probably didn't understand what that was. So let's. No, we knew what it was. They'd already said. No, audience. You mean the people on the plane? No, you. They'd a, already told us what it was. Yeah, they had, but it was. It's almost like this movie does that a few times. Yep. Like, hey, maybe you didn't catch that, so let us say it again. Like people saying things to each other. I know it's them saying it so they understand, so you don't. Go, oh, how did he know, know there was drugs or whatever? But it's almost like you're being told as an audience. Yeah, like I said earlier, it tells you things over and over. Like yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like- so so it's like there, there is a lot of that. Mm-hmm. And especially with drugs in the suitcase. But, um, yeah, it's a funny... It's <laughs> That was funny to me. But uh, the only thing that let it down to me was the ending. Like, it, I, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but I thought the ending was like... It was exciting... And it was it was, you know, big action pack thing. But you just didn't like the 
the motivation for no, it. No, and it was really anticlimactic. It, it like, blah, okay, dang, and then we're, then we're all sat on the tarmac. You know, the, like, the ending to the movie is like a cookie cutter from all the other endings to any of these kind of movies, right? People sat in the back of ambulances and stuff like that, you know? Um, I th- found it all anticlimactic at the end. Like, I didn't feel like it was a good payoff for the whole suspense. Right. And I don't know what is I a good payoff. that was equal. I don't know what is a good payoff. I feel like somebody hasn't done it yet, but there's a really clever movie that you can make in a plane. A disaster movie. Where the ending of it, you're blown away. Like, it's not like some guy... Uh, well, I don't know. How about that. you're not really in a plane? Everyone has been convinced they're in a plane, and then in the end, it can't pan out, and it's not inside a plane. But it's that's... a fake plane. Yeah. And you're on a reality <laughs> TV show. No, 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 reality TV show. <laughs> you're in some villainous lair where he keeps his fake plane, and they drugs people all the time just to watch him freak out, because he doesn't make them think that they're crashing. And that's then he bit, kills them that's all. That's a bit like Saw, or something like that. It could be like that kind of... A little more elaborate yeah. than Saw. Wow. I don't know, but I feel like there's been so many movies where it's in a plane and there's who could do it, who could do it, oh, there's a bomb, how do we get off, blah, blah, blah. There's been so many of them, and you've seen loads of them if you go back and count them, that there's only a couple of ways it can go, right? There's not a ton of ways it can end. Well, the motive... Well, the end, no, I mean... No. Either, you land or you don't. either a bomb blows up and the plane lands or whatever. crash. Either a bomb blows up and everybody dies, which they're not going to do. Never do that in any of these movies. I'd like to so. see that. Oh, don't say that. No, I mean, I'd like to see that as a twist. Like, oh shit, that's crazy. But no, nobody's going to ever do that. So there's, there's two ways it can end, right? If there's a bomb on a plane. The bomb goes off, but the plane lands safely. Or Tick. <laughs> the bomb doesn't go off and they defuse it just in time and the plane lands safely. And that's it. Right? Yep. There isn't any other scenario. It lands in the sea, but everybody's rescued. The helicopters pick them all up and stuff. I've seen that. Or put the, they put a bomb in a van and they drive it into the water and let it blow up by a bridge. Oh, no. That was last week. Yeah. <laughs> that was a bomb under I'll the sea. I'll tell city. you um, a good... A good uh, I mean, but it's not that scenario. But a plane, going to crash. Castaway. It crashes. They all die. Apart no, from okay, Hanks. I was going to say, they didn't all, there's only three people, though. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, that. that is like a... <laughs> but it... Yeah, think about it, people. If you watch, any- to, I'm not spoiling anything, but that was the first five minutes of the movie, not the yeah, end. Yeah, if you watch any <laughs> movie, any movie with a plane, and it, there's jeopardy in the plane, just think about it while you're watching it. It can't really go any. It's, there's only a couple of ways it can oh, go. We've just ruined all of movies for the sweet no, little nine year old listening to this um, right now. Mister Cleverclogs needs to come along, like you just said. Yours wasn't what I was thinking of, <laughs> but somebody knows the third way that is the best way that nobody's ever thought. Well, the third way is it does blow up and everyone dies. That's the third way. So we need a fourth way. I'd like way. that, but only once. You know? You could only use it's that once. It's not clever or anything. No, it's not, but it's unexpected, right? Because you you know that nobody's going to do that. That's terrible. Nobody will do that. Like, it's... It's bl- tasteless. Right. So nobody's going to do that. So somebody could do it once... I mean, go through the whole drama, all the tension, like, you fall in love with these people, and everything's sort of, and then it's over. Yes. Yes. And then the hero is saved by a parachute? <laughs> no, he's not saved either. 
Nobody's saved. It's like, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Nobody. I get it. There's no I'm not sequel. sure of public we get No it. sequel, no nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's no coming back from that one. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, so... Non-stop, it's... Um, let's go, move on to the cast. Liam Neeson. Um, he's kind of like... Had this renaissance of Mr. Action Man after Taken, you know? She called him an icon? I think that's ridiculous. He's not an icon action hero. No, he's... Bullshit. It's one of those things where, like, you didn't expect him to be an action hero, and then he he tried it, and then he was awesome at it, and then you see him in a lot of action movies. I guess... I was going to say... He's... Taken and grey in this. Yeah, I was... um, see an interview with him recently I think it was on Jonathan Ross and he's got like five he's he said like he can't believe how many people keep coming to him saying do you want to do an action movie do you want to do an action movie so but he's the same every time but he's turning into like Jason Statham right Jason Statham's the same every time he's in an action movies he's like a tormented dude who has to overcome some demon so if you want somebody for your action movie it's Jason Statham or Liam Neeson they're your men or Sylvester Stallone because he still does them Born does action movies too that are. He kind of stopped film. doing them though, didn't he? Um, Jace, uh, um, he did Green Zone. Dame. That, that was, was a long time ago. Hmm. So, um, Liam Neeson, yeah, he just basically, like, what he does in Taken, he does that here. He beats people, he um, acts moody. And but he's... justifiably, and he doesn't do it in a moody way, which I was, I liked. I mean, he just was what he was. I think he's pretty good at it. Um, at that action role. Well, I mean, he's traumatized, isn't he? I just can't think of Liam Neeson without thinking about his poor wife dying. I just can't. I know that it's a long time ago. Long time ago. And he's probably <laughs> fairly recovered from it, but I cannot help it. It's like I watch and I just think, oh, it's like, love actually, your wife really died. Um, so Julianne Moore plays Jen Summers. Um, I love Julianne Moore. I always have loved her since, what was the first thing I saw her in? Magnolia? Uh, she's been in movies for a Boogie long Nights? time. Yeah, probably Boogie Nights, yeah. Um, I, I really like her. And, and in this, she's doing nothing special. Was she in Heart 8? Yes, she was. Was she? Or was she not? I can't remember who was the woman. She was in um, Short Cuts, wasn't she? Robert Altman. Yeah. I See, that would be the first time I saw her, but no, because I didn't see that until uh-uh. after um, uh-uh. Magnolia. Um, but yeah, she's awesome. I really love her. But in this, there's not much for her to do, really. It's very... It's kind of plain, isn't it? There's nothing for her to sink her teeth into. Think about it now, though, all of a sudden. I just realized. The only thing that instigated the... Uh, that part, you know, with the picture and... Hacking. Was her. Yeah. Yeah, she was, like, encouraging it, wasn't she? She kept... She connected the dots. Yeah. She connected the dots. But like I say, she's I like I love her. She's awesome. Um, but it's nothing special there. She's Julianne Moore. And she's on the plane. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing more to say about it. But you know, she go and watch Julianne Moore on a plane. Go and watch other performances by her. She's amazing. Like she she could act. Here's a movie for you. It's a flight. It's Julianne Moore playing like every character, just talking to herself. All different hairdos, all different clothes, but it's just her. There's no danger or anything. It's just a flight full of Julianne Moores. <laughs> what's, what's it called? I don't know. The, the flight of Julianne Moore. <laughs> being Julianne Moore. We've got being J- John Malkovich. Um, uh, so then also, there's not... 
I was going to say there's not many people in this movie. There's a lot of people yeah. in this movie. But as far as the lead people... It's contained. Yeah. Scoop McNary plays Tom Bowen. You don't like him for some I reason? I don't. I don't know why. I just, I didn't like Monster. Monster? Monsters? Whatever. Monsters. I don't know what it is. I find him one of those cheesy, of his age, of his era, just smarmy. I don't know what it is. He's like an IT dude. I, if I, I could imagine it, directors going, oh yeah, we want this smarmy IT dude, like a hacker dude or well, I don't something. I think he dude. seems like that to me. And yeah, I'm around IT me. guys all the time. He does to me. Oh, he seems, he no, might he not be. like to me, he's like, he's like the dude who hangs around in the coffee shop and thinks he knows how to play guitar and thinks he's good at being artsy fartsy and has like 50 different jobs and is a loser and doesn't pay his bills. You don't know anything about <laughs> that. <laughs> I don't mean him as a person. I mean the persona that he keeps projecting and I just find him unappealing as a performer. And I put down Michelle Dockery as Nancy, she's a British actress. She's um the um stewardess. She did a lot of this. Yeah. She was fine. Yeah, there wasn't nothing. No. No. In fact, nobody delivers like a, a special performance in this at all. Nobody. Not even the the little girl. Like it like I don't think anybody does. It's just all like you know, it all works for the plot, but then as far as anything amazing, there's none of that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's not even a moment of, like, a dialogue between anybody where you're like, wow, that's really intense and good. There's none of that, is there? Hmm. It's just by the dots. She even know. said, the actress who played this, the air, whatever they're called now. Attendant? Not hostess. Flight attendant. A flight attendant. Is that this, is, this movie is not about the dialogue. It's all about the action. It's true. Yeah. But even though there is a lot of dialogue. How about a silent tragedy movie? But not silent, because you can hear all the noises, but you, nobody talks. And that you just hear death. No. It's a disaster. It's like, you hear everything. You can hear whatever the situation is, but nobody talks. Coming up with some good ideas here. Oh, right. Hollywood's listening. <laughs> so this is directed by Jean Calais Serra. I think that's how you say it. And really? Do you speak French? Yeah, and he's the guy who actually directed Orphan, which I really liked um, Orphan. And he directed, uh, you know, the Goals series. There was a twist that you did not see coming. Yeah, but don't give that away. I'm I think not. That's a good one. I'm not. Um, he also directed uh, Goal 2, which was, I don't know if you watched all the Goal movies. I, watched, I ended up watching them all. Yeah, you watched two, didn't you? And I watched three. Three was really bad. It was like a straight-to-video, but they finished it off. But they replaced all the actors with oh, like, right. other people. It's bad. Um, but Goal 2 was actually pretty good. If you like football, i.e. soccer, if you, <laughs> um, there aren't many soccer movies out there, and that, that is one of them. It's good. Yeah, it is pretty good. It's like inspirational. Goal like, was the best, because it's the origin story. It's like Rocky. Story. Yep, yep, but, exactly. But, uh, yeah. Um, and then House of Wax with Paris Hilton, he also directed that. Did I you, watched you it. You watched it, didn't you? Did it you like that? It was horrible. No, I've never but seen it. But it wasn't great. So, um, as far as directing, I think this is quite cleverly directed. Um, it's very technical, this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they built this set, this big plane, and, uh, they showed you some in the extras, like the, it's actually purpose built to make a movie, so, but it's very technical, and I was watching it, and there's, like, cameras running down tracks down there, and it, it looks the part. It's very smooth, very, well shot. Mm-hmm. So as far as that is that goes, I think he did a good job. I don't but know if it's clever directing. But it's I think it's clever cinematography slash directing, but then the... the engineering. 
Yeah, the the CGI kind of lets it down a little bit. I agree. Yeah, so what's the end of the movie? Also, like when you're when you're standing by the bathroom of a ho- of a airplane and you're talking to someone about something very very serious and something no one else should hear, everyone's going to hear you. Yeah, absolutely. Like everyone's going to hear you within four or five rows. That's the way an airplane is. Like you can talk to the person next to you. And if you're talking, everyone kind of whispers on a plane. You just kind of go, "Oh, did you see that?" I don't know. because you're in a room full of people. So if you're standing, if you're Liam Neeson and you're talking in your normal voice and you're standing right there, three feet away behind that little curtain are people. That was one of the things I was like, are you kidding me? Are we not considering that everyone can hear what you're saying and no one should hear what you're saying? There was a bit. So that's not clever directing. No. That's poor planning. So um, in terms of extras on this Blu-ray, there's just two featurettes and um, they're short, like less than five minutes each. They're fine. But they show you some. They show you how that. I really dig like how the plane and you, they pull the sides of the plane up so mm-hmm. they can film from the side. Like a DeLorean. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So you do see. So why don't we have planes that when they land, the sides just come up and everyone just gets out? Probably not that safe. <laughs> um, what also was, I thought was interesting about these featurettes is they weren't ass kissy. It wasn't people going, "Oh, Liam Neeson, he's so awesome." I just have to. It no. wasn't that. It wasn't ass kissy. Because um, there's a lot of that on Blu-rays where. You sit there and watch it, and it's like, oh, um, yes, you know, Martin Scorsese, he's such a genius, and you never see him, and everybody's like, t- says what they think of him. Or that other guy, the main guy who you never see. Scorsese talks sometimes. He does. The other guy, Malik. Yeah. Terrence Malik. Malik. Yeah, he yeah he's like he doesn't exist. Yeah, he's like he doesn't exist, but everybody kind of reveres it. Here's the kind of plane you need. That's Fisher the Fisher-Price Price plane yeah. I used to have. I used to have one of those. The whole side of it just opens down. It's got the stairs built in, and then there's your seat. Oh my god, that makes me so nostalgic. I loved my Fisher-Price plane. I always like that little dude with the bald head. <gasps> like a little bit, a tiny bit of air on the front. And the woman, she's got like horrible evil eyes. Oh, I want, I have my Fisher Price house down. You could actually make a airplane disaster movie with that. I'm sure technology. somebody has made a Fisher Price disaster movie. So, um, that's, uh, the movie, nonstop. Uh, I recommend it if you just want, like, a fun Saturday afternoon movie and you like this kind of, you know, disaster type thing. I think it's fun. If you're gonna do Liam Neeson movies, I say start with this, then Grey, this? And then Taken. Oh, this, yeah. Then Taken. Then Love Actually. I'd actually start with Taken. I like Taken a lot. I'm saying end with the best. Don't oh, okay. start with the best. If you start with the best, then why is there to... You end up on this? Then... No. Right. So, um... Yeah, pretty good. I, I mean, it's not the greatest thing ever. Kind of like last week's Jack Ryan. What is the greatest thing ever? In terms of, like, this kind of a uh, movie. Anything ever. What's the greatest movie ever? If Magnolia, compare, if obviously, <laughs> or Star Wars. Okay, so to you, those are the those are the benchmark. Yeah. of the greatest possible. Yeah, it's not the standard. That's the greatest. I mean, this as far as technically, it's sound. The plot is full of kind What's of. What's the worst thing ever that you've ever seen? The worst. Little movie. Nicky was one of them. <laughs> I love. I love how you've got him queued up, ready to go. Like <laughs> Ted. <laughs> oh yes. That's pretty bad. Okay, so down here's Ted. Up here is Star Wars. So no, little where? Nicky's down. Little, little Nicky's Nikki. the worst one. Little Nicky down here. Yeah. Up here is Star Wars. Yeah. So where is this one? <laughs> it's in the middle. It's really it's right in the middle. In the middle. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. 
Yeah, and as far as like these type of movies, you know, um, it's it's just fine. It's it's really the best of these movies when you're wondering what's going on and there's great action are like Born and some Bond, not all Bond, um, because it's hard to mix clever with brutality, like it just true off. It's hard to make it. Like, fun to watch and have it, like, really dark. And not feel so like... like a, and this is a PG-13, by the way, so it's, um... Doesn't sweat... There's no swearing. Uh-uh. Like... No blood. Like Jack Ryan last week. It's, it's like a... Yep. Cli- like a clinical type of movie. It's like... There's yeah, there is no blood, actually. Foaming of the mouth. Yeah, but nothing... You know? No. Show the kids. <laughs> the horrible disaster movie. Kind of could. It wouldn't really... Titanic didn't have any either. Titanic had some horrible shots of people falling and banging their heads, though. They weren't real. No, they, they were weren't CGI real, but people. if you're watching it as a child, you, they're real as far as... Yeah, you know. but that really happened. Yes. So that's just the way that, that's the way you have to sell, tell the five-year-old, that really happened. So um, Don't ever go on a ship. True. So thanks <laughs> to Universal... Airplane. No ships, no airplanes, no buses, no trains. Wait, if you, if you watch too many movies, you'll never want to go on a bus... Because there might be a bomb that's uh, speed triggered. You never go on a train because it might just be a runaway train going down the track uncontrolled, right? With Denzel Washington somewhere trying to stop it. You don't want to go on a plane because of this kind of shit. Are you just going to name every single <laughs> mode of transport and say don't want to well, go on it? How many other ones are there? Semi trucks, boat, dead calm. I said ship. Yeah, yacht. Yeah. Yeah, well, dead calm. That wasn't because Jaws. of a technical flaw. Jaws. That was psychotism. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a short... That's nature. Yeah, but don't go on the boat. If you went <laughs> on the land, you'd be all right. <laughs> don't, go on, don't go on the boat. <laughs> don't go on the boat. Now, how big it is? Don't go in the haunted house. Don't go in the exorcist house. Don't go in all those things. Don't go in any... You know, stay in your own house. Don't marry someone you meet on the internet. Oh which which one's that? Oh, You've I'm got me. Oh, no. I'm just making that one up. <laughs> All right, so next week's movie will You've be... you got mail, yes, because that's a horrible, tragic movie. True. <laughs> a disaster movie. It's just a massive commercial for AOL, that movie, if you watch it. Watch it's, it, and that's all. It's not very charming or anything. It's a, it was a real... It was a commercial for AOL. Watch yeah. it, and you... Now, because it's so dated. And yeah. You, you will notice it. It just is, like... That's what it was. And it's a real defeatist attitude about it, too. So thanks to Universal for non-stop. We, uh... Highly appreciate it. And next week's movie is Lone Survivor, based on a true story. Mark Wahlberg. Um, we'll be watching that. Loosely based on a true story? No, not loosely at all. Actually, very seriously based on a true story. Mm-hmm. Um, How do you know this? I know the true story. Oh. But you haven't seen the movie? I've not seen the movie. It's new. But, uh, yeah, I know it's not... I mean, a good... it's a serious true story. I'm saying you never know what It's not a good story. Think. The guy... Well, well... Yeah. Well, so it's based on the book of the Zora Zora. I don't want to spoil it before No, don't tell me anything. So uh, movie recommendations this week. I am going with um based on this movie. Flight Plan with Jodie Foster. That wasn't great. But I actually really enjoyed it and what I enjoyed about it was the um that take on a action disaster movie was the plane was like super high tech. Yeah, she designed it, yeah. right? Yep. Right. So she knew everything about it. Right. So there was a bit of a twisty type thing. Twenty eight days later shows up and he is not good news. <laughs> no. But I really liked it. I, I liked the Twenty Eight Days Later. No, He's he was in that other one, wasn't he? That wasn't Flight Plan. Was it? That was Red Eye. 
Correct. Yeah. Oh dear, I'm crossing over my airplane. Yeah. Flight See? plans really don't ever go on an airplane. Flight plans are real. Like that one's cheesy. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, that's flight plans not cheesy. Yeah, that's it's, what I was thinking it's, of. It's, it's real sophisticated, like, and I liked it. It was like this, you know, this the plane's almost sci-fi-ish. It's, it's but wasn't got, it like Panic Room in the Sky? If yeah, I remember much, correctly, pretty much. Yeah, there's a kid. I really like, liked it. Um, and my second one is the Phantom Menace because of uh, Mr. Liam Neeson. You didn't say Phantom Menace before. You changed it. And you know, if you if you want like the most realistic and really disturbing um, flight disaster movie, it's that United ninety three. Yeah, and that is an amazing movie. That if that movie, and it's shot kind of documentary like a Mm. shaky camish. and you know what happens because everybody knows what what happens during that, you know, at the end of that movie. Yeah, I was, the suspense was like really, really, like I was on the edge of my seat and I knew what was going to happen. It was weird. Uh, and it's really, it's terrible. Yes. But it's awesome. It's well done. Like, it's really well done. I really enjoyed that film. That was Paul Greengrass, the guy who did Bond, the Bond movie. Um, so, yeah, that's the most harrowing, realistic air movie I've ever seen. And then there's all those movies from the 70s, Airport 77 and all those type. If you like, kind of a light, light-hearted look at a disaster. They weren't really light-hearted. They took themselves very seriously. So what are your recommendations based on non-stop? <laughs> you know they're not based on non-stop. Except for my non-stop gardening. I found two shows that are from your native land. One is called Gardener's World. It's been on forever. And not forever, but few years, 15 years or something, and How to Be a Gardener with Alan Titchmarsh, which I think I just, at first I was like, oh, do I really want to watch Alan Titchmarsh talk a lot? But he's so, he's so in love with everything. I mean, he might be cold, totally faking it, but he seems to love plants. No, he's not totally faking it. He's and been he a gardener loves forever. 36 years, yeah. he says. He's seen, or he's seen, I remember what he was counting the other day. Um, cause somebody said, he said, somebody asked me the day, cause he was doing little seedlings in the dirt. And he said, somebody asked me the day, don't you ever get bored with this? And he said, oh, I've been a professional gardener for 36 years. I've been gardening my whole life. So that's however many springs. I never get bored. And he's just doing it like with this big smile on his face. So he just talks all about details about how to make different kinds of gardens. And I learned a lot. And today he inspired me to cut my hair because he was talking, he was, <laughs> he had this grass. My yard, what you called the garden, which we just called the yard, the lawn, and it was all kind of like, like really twisty, twisted up, and he was raking it really hard and getting like this undergrowth kind of stuff out, and I'm like, well, that kind of reminds me of my hair. I think I'll just cut it, brush it, and cut it. <laughs> so, Very weird. So he inspired me from raking the grass. You need to, to tweet him my... and tell him that. I'm sure he'd be thrilled. Those are my recommendations. Gardener's World and How to Be a Gardener. Those are great recommendations based they're on, on the YouTube. movie nonstop. So. But they're naughty on they're naughty if you watch them on YouTube. Some, I'm not being naughty, they're there. I'm watching it. I didn't put it there. Somebody naughty put them up. Nobody's taking them down. And there are hundreds of them. Like somebody some not just one somebody, hundreds of somebody. One day somebody will police YouTube properly, right? And uh, all that Can't police me for watching it. All those T V shows will be removed. Um so what are you, what are you? YouTube, please? Yes. So games... Well, no. I actually... Don't, if BBC or somebody like that want to have their channel and put all those shows on, fine, right? But if yeah. 
if Joe Schmo wants to put BBC shows on his channel and then get paid for what for those being there? They never, none of them have ads that I've come across. Right. On my tablet, and my tablet doesn't have it. It's still not allowed, right? But still, a lot of the time, know. those people want money. There's out. loads of channels that are just BBC shows and Gardner shows. There's all shows. Big Brother, when that comes on, that's on YouTube. The same, like, within an hour of it airing in the UK, it's on YouTube. Um, it, it gets took sometimes gets taken down but then the guy who has the channel makes another channel and starts putting them back up again yeah. it's, it's like a cat and mouse game these have been up there for years right because you know why the because they're not like in the eye of like something like you know if you put big brother up there people are looking for it are you saying nobody gives a shit about gardening i'm saying <laughs> less people are looking for that like well. who's out there pirating <laughs> the gardening <laughs> shows but the sh- but it proof that people want to see it is that it's there and they have, they have thousands and tens and hundreds of thousands of views. True. So, so games and Ace Scully stuff this week. I've been playing one game only and that is uh, Watch Dogs. I've been waiting for this game for like two and a half. That is not the only game. You have been playing Plants vs. Zombies every day. Two and a half years I've been waiting for Watch Dogs to come out and it finally came out this week on the PS4. That's where I've been playing it. Like um, every waking minute you've just been waiting for Watch Dogs. That is so sad. Well, they showed it at E3 two and a half years ago, uh, two years ago, and um, it finally came out. What was weird about this game was um, it was supposed to come out five months ago, but right at the last minute, I think it was two weeks before it shipped, they said, oh, 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 we're not going to ship in two weeks because we're not ready. We're going to ship in another five months. So it was one of those. So what usually, what happens in that scenario is either... In five months, the game will get delayed again, and then it'll keep getting delayed, and then it'll never come out. Or, it will come out, and it'll be, like, poor. Right. Because of, they just were never going to be ready. Yeah, like it, you know, I think Rockstar do it best with Grand Theft Auto. They don't set themselves a date until they're almost done with it. And then they, when they're absolutely confident that they can hit the date, then they'll say a date. And then they don't delay it. They just put it out on that date. But this game was delayed. And then they kept showing it again later on um, after E3. And what they showed at E3 was this amazing like next generation game that you've never seen anything like. And then they kept showing bits of it later that didn't look anything like that. It kind of was worse. It kept looking worse and worse. And then... There were some screenshots of it that came out a couple of weeks before it was actually released where people were like, really? Is this what it is going to be? Like, what happened to that E3 trailer? You don't take this stuff way too seriously. Well, they were trying to... It's almost like they're trying to dupe you because they show you this... See, we didn't know, did we, like two years ago, what the PlayStation 4 was capable of. It didn't exist, right? So they show you all this. Wow, you know what? Your consoles are going to look like Toy Story. Like, you know, whatever. Like Avatar in two years' time. And you might, you know, you believe them, right? Because it's no. Well, you don't think, oh, it's yes. There's no way they can do that, right? Yes, I would think that they're full of shit, and I'm not going to believe anything until I see. Well, they it. show, they show you. They they say here is the game. No, you're watching what they're showing you. You're not in your living room with your PS4 doing it. Anyway, so uh, rega- your expectations. What I'm saying is, your expectations for two years is your own choice. Right. Regardless, though, that game that. Not regardless. Sh- that's part no, of. No, I'm saying regardless of what you're saying. That is that no, game. Not regardless of what I'm saying. That game uh, that they showed at E3 two years ago is not what this game looks like eventually. 
Like it didn't, it didn't meet those expectations. So you have to lower your expectations when you when you play it. Like it, it's not going to look like what you think it looked like. But um, it does still look good. I mean, it, it's hard to uh, say really because we just had Grand Theft Auto Five last year on the PS3 and the 360, and that was a last gen game. And this is a new generation game. And the thing I've noticed with this is, and I think this is probably just going to be what the new generation is like. <clears throat> is the games kind of look like the last generation. They don't actually look that much different. Because what does look different, though, is there's no jagged edges on stuff, and the draw distances are, are longer. So it's not like the graphics look better, because they kind of look the same. It's just this technical stuff that's better. Like, you used to get jagged edges on stuff when you looked at it. Because so it does look better. It, well, it looks... I'm saying it doesn't look better, as in, oh, all of a sudden it's a Pixar movie, or Avatar, which is what they promised. With It doesn't look like that. To me, what it looks like, and I think I might have been spoiled by having a gaming PC, is it looks like a PC game now. So we went from, like, the 360 looking like a console game to the PS4 looking like PC games. Because I'm used to having really good graphics, because PCs do really good graphics. They always have, right? You have a good video card. Your game does good graphics. So what I'm finding with this new generation of gaming is games look like PC games. Which, to me, is not a massive leap, is it? Because I've been looking at PC games all the time. So if you came... The only way this new generation is going to be like super impressive to you, buying a PS4 or, a, or an Xbox One, is if you haven't played games for a few years. Like, you, maybe you played games... Maybe you played the Dreamcast, and then you bought a PS4. Now that's going to mind blow your mind, right? If you've not really followed games, I don't identify with any of this because I think you should just wait and see each thing as it comes and accept it and not. True, I'm just trying to say about Watch Dogs: lower your expectations of what. If you if you've seen how it looked on those trailers, all the trailers that they put out for it, it doesn't look like that. It looks like Grand Theft Auto from the PS3 last year, but with a anti-aliasing turned on, which is what the PCs always... like. So it smooths the edges so there's no jagged lines. The lighting looks slightly better. I have compared both. The the shadowing and the lighting look slightly better on the PS4, but it's not a night and day difference between the 360 and the PS4 version. It's, It's like a... It's like slightly better. So, but... In terms of the game, Watch Dogs, it's a game, it's an open world game like Grand Theft Auto, but the, the twist to this game is you can hack. So it's like in a future Chicago. It isn't the future really though. It feels like just slightly, like maybe two years from now. And, um, it's in Chicago and they've really, they've like recreated Chicago and you can drive around like Grand Theft Auto or go on, on your everyday life kind of thing. It's really cool in that respect. They've, Made a city that feels really real. People talking. I walked past somebody's house in it yesterday, and there was a woman stood on the balcony, and she was throwing stuff over the edge. So I like listened into what she was saying, and she was telling the guy who was down below that these um, dolls, because he she was throwing them over the edge. These dolls that you collect, they suck, and you can go and take them to the tip or whatever. And then he's yelling up to her. Um, they're not dolls, they're mint-in-box figures, you know, like... It, and it's a whole dialogue that they're having, and it was just a random thing. It wasn't part of the story or anything. And there's all kinds of things like that. 
I was walking down the road, there's two rappers, like um, street rappers, having a battle. And I stood there thinking, they're going to say a little bit of stuff, and then it'll repeat, or they'll stop and walk away. And I stood there, and they just kept rapping. And it was a freestyle rap, and they were rapping back and forth. And I was like, oh, it's going to loop soon? Like, it didn't. Like, it just carried on. Like, they recorded loads of dialogue. Like, you can walk down the street with your headphones on. It's good with headphones on. And you can just hear people having conversations everywhere. Which, how do they do that? I guess that's where the next generation of games... Because, like, you've got a lot more space now to fit stuff, right? 50 gigabyte discs. Yeah. So you can record, you know... Back on the 360, you could probably only record, what, like, 10 hours worth of conversations. Now you could just go to town. You could, you know, have 50 hours of conversations. And that makes the world better because you don't hear the same things over and over again. Because, you know, even Grand Theft Auto is guilty of this. Like, not the last one, but the one before. You can walk down the road, see two people have a conversation, then walk, like, three feet, and there's two other people have that exact same conversation with the same voices. And that's a bit weird. You're like, you're like, huh? It just breaks it completely. So, um, this breaks, is a, <laughs> breaks it like like Grand Theft Auto is so realistic. I mean, it breaks the illusion of being in the world. It's like, oh, these are like because you can really get in the world. I can, you put your headphones on, you're you're there. Like you know, like you hear the speaking. That's what makes a real open world game. Like um, Infamous that came out a few weeks ago. That's a really cool open world game, but it felt really dead. There was like hardly anybody speaking. There was. People on the streets, but there was no dialogue or anything. It was just, it feel empty. This one feels really alive, and it's Chicago. One of my favorite things in the game is these, you know, like Foursquare in real life, where you can check in at places. If you heard of Foursquare, you, mm-hmm. you could have it on your phone, for instance. It's like an app thing. And then you could go to Pizza Hut in where we live and check in and say, I'm at Pizza Hut. Well, there's that in this game on your cell phone. So... There's a hundred places in Chicago that you can check in at. And uh, when you check in, it gives you the history of that place. So it'll tell you, you know, about this is a place where John Dillinger was shot. Or there's all these different, like, little snippets of history. So what I did was I went around all hundred of them in one. I just I made it a point just to go around and collect them all. So it was like this tour of Chicago and you get to learn about all these buildings. And you can check in at them. And you can leave gifts for other people who come. So when your friends on your friends list turn up at these points, he'll say, oh, Ace Scully has left you something. And you can leave them money or equipment. So that, you know, it's not it's a new thing. I've never seen that in an open world game. I think it's really fun. Uh, rest of it, I'm not really that far into the story. I've done like five missions. But it's like a, it's really generic, the story. It's like your guy, Aiden, he's called Aiden Pierce. He's, um, he's a hacker. And he's hacking, they're doing this massive hack at the beginning of the game where they're going to like siphon all this money out of this building and they're going to be rich. And somebody cottons onto them at the last minute and they have to pull out and leave. And he doesn't get caught or anything, but he doesn't steal anything. And he goes back to his everyday life. And then he's driving down the road with his niece in his car uh, one night, taking his niece home. And two dudes pull up, two motorcycles pull up and they shoot at him. The cast tips over and his niece gets killed. She's like a you know eight year old child, and then it's two years later, and you're this dude and you know your niece was killed and these people are onto you, but you don't know who they are because it's this shadowy hacking community. So the whole thing is you trying to figure out who killed your niece and 
also look after your sister. Um, and they know who you are, but they're all, it's all cagey under the, you know, hacking thing. You can hack anything in the game. Like, you can hack the traffic lights. You can hack, uh, people. You can point your cell phone at somebody in the world and you can see a little bio of them. It'll say, like, I pointed at you. It'll say, Sid Talk likes art, owes this much on her car, mm-hmm. and uh, earns this much. And then it'll have something funny about you, like, uh, starred in a porno. Cuts her own hair. Or something weird. Like that. I mean, there's a lot of weird stuff. And this game, I think that's its, its idea. It's watchdogs, like, the, everybody's being spied on, like, we are all being spied on now in real life. Everybody's got cameras pointing at them all the time. And there's some really disturbing stuff in this game. You hack into some computers, and you see live feeds of things. Like, it can be really innocuous, like, it can be... I hacked into somebody yesterday, and it was a feed from their Connect. So it was just um, two women exercising in the front room, talking to each other. And that's nothing, right? And they're just like, oh, this this thing's cool. Like, we can exercise. But then you do into another one, and it's this, it's a guy in his bedroom, like, with, like, a load of weapons on his bed, and he's saying weird stuff and mumbling, you know? So you, you get these little snippets into all these different people's lives. They could be could just be, like, mum making dinner and the kids playing, or it could be a guy slicing somebody up in his basement. It's weird, like... And you often feel, like, really dirty watching it. It's like, ugh, you know, weird. So that's Watch Dogs. It's like uh, open world if you like Grand Theft Auto and you like hacking. And you, you like that kind of vibe. Like the, I like the hacking thing. I like the movie Hackers from um, many years ago with Angelina Jolie and Sick Boy. And there's not enough hacking movies, is there really? You don't. Like a movie that concentrates on hacking. Try right? to explain why you can hack and how you can hack and still I'll be make sci-fi-ish it about it. Like, like Watch Dogs is a bit sci-fi-ish about it because, you know, he's got this phone that he just wanders around and it does everything. That's a bit yeah insane. Like, that would, you know. But, uh, yeah, I'd like to see a movie, like, on hacking. I know you could say The Matrix is, like, hacking a bit, you know? Mm. There's hacking involved in The Matrix, isn't there? But, um... So yeah, it's a cool game. I really like it. You just have to lower your expectations a little bit from what you saw a couple of years ago. Um, but it's really, really fun. Loads of things to do. Um, and that is it for me. I've, that's all I've been playing this week. But I did play Plants vs. Zombies 2 as well. <laughs> which um, is a mobile game. <laughs> I, iPad and Android. You play it a lot. Uh, yeah. It's fun. So, um, Sito, what's for dinner? Tonight is going to be Tofu. Cooked in the pan. Don't know what flavorings yet. Probably just standard veggie broth, pepper, curry, etc. Lots of vegetables. I don't know what to make for your start. I'm on this thing where I'm going to try to cut out as much carbohydrates and sugar as possible. Eating you mentioned it last week. Vegetables. I did smoothie several days there, and then I kind of got. It kind of made me feel a little nauseous to think about drinking some more food. Today I was going to do it. Had all my stuff out, and I realized if I turned that blender on, you were sleeping. Right. So I was like, well, I mean, I was going to make like a veggie one. So it sounds like, like somebody, when you, that the blender, so if you're not in the same room as it, it sounds like we're um, having, remo- you know, like a renewal work. Like somebody's drilling, drilling, drilling into yeah. a wall or something. It's very loud. Yeah. So I just ate the stuff instead. My spinach, cucumber, red pepper, carrot. Just ate it raw out of the bowl instead of blending it up. I don't know what the difference is, except it's blended. And it does release some different 
enzymes and stuff when you chop it all up. But, um, been eating lots more fresh fruits and vegetables. So tonight we will have, I think, like smashed peas with some mushroom gravy with the tofu. And some french fries. No, but, well, that sounds kind of good. That's couple a good start. A couple of, yeah. A little bit. Yeah, it's hard balance, hard balance, hard to figure out. Because you can eat a whole plate of fries and a loaf of bread and it doesn't bother you. It seems to me, when I eat it, I feel like I've just gained 10 pounds of water all over my face and my hands. It's awful. So I'm trying to eliminate that. I can't eliminate it because I love bread, so that's a reality. But cutting it back and supplementing with lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, which I love, so I'm lucky. And I love tofu. Really good for you. Most some people argue that. And my advice is... It's very small advice. It is very small. It's very controversial. And I've probably mentioned it before. But I'll just say, and it may not be you, you, so I'm not talking to you, but you know somebody and you know the people I'm talking about or to. I don't even know who I'm talking to, but generically. I know you probably think it's the kind thing to do. And you might be coming from a good place. But don't ask me to pray for anything. Like... Not everyone believes what you believe. And just because you believe there's a God who's listening to you pray that your son wins the baseball game, not all of us believe that shit. (laughs) All right? Because to me, it's fiction. I'm not being disrespectful. I'm telling you the way it is. The same way you can have a conversation. Well, you're not telling you the way it is because to them it's the other way, right? You're not telling No, they don't know what it is either. They just believe something. Yeah, but you're not telling them. Yeah, I that am. your way is what they... I'm not telling... It's not my way. No, I mean what you believe... I don't believe anything. No, that's, that's what I'm saying. Point. You're not telling them not to believe in anything. No, you can believe in whatever you want. That's, that's my point. Don't tell I'm me to pray. I'm just making sure pray. that people are clear that that's not what you're saying. But I am saying that it is what it is. I don't believe anything is anything at all. I don't believe in anything. You don't, but they do. I know, but they don't believe in anything real. They just believe it's real. Right, but real. to them it's real is what I'm saying. No, they believe it's real. Yes. It's not... It doesn't make it real. No, it doesn't make it real, but... And what I'm saying is to pray, to automatically say to people, Oh, my dad said you had a hard time. Can you pray for him? To say that to someone directly, assuming... What do you mean? A a private message to you to say, like, please pray for such and such. Some, and some open asking for prayers, or in person, you know... Oh, you know, my, my kid is applying for college. Oh, say a prayer for him. A, I don't give a shit if your kid goes to college. And B, I'm pretty sure if if there was any humongous creator of all the universe, they don't give a shit either. Because it's just one little tiny bug on a planet in a vast universe. It doesn't matter. You can pray if it makes you feel good. You can pray if it makes you cope. I don't care. But don't just automatically assume that everyone around you, everyone you talk to, everyone you Facebook with, everyone you work with, has the exact same belief system as you. I don't know how else you can approach it, but you assume that A, because you believe there's a God, that when you approach every situation, you're already telling me there's a God. Oh, there's a God, therefore you need to pray. I do see people, um... Oh, it's... Very, very rare, because... It's rampant. Because I don't, um... And I'm not saying it from angry, like, like, oh my God, don't tell me to pray. I'm saying, think about it. Just realize that if I were to turn to you, every time you, you, generic you, said to me, 
oh, you know, pray for my dad. He's not well. Pray for my kids. They're doing this. Oh, pray for me. I've got a driving test tomorrow, whatever. What if I were just to nicely remind you, oh, <laughs> oh, there's no God. I, there's nobody to pray to. Because I'm saying it as matter-of-factly and as firmly as that's the way I see the world, as the way you say, pray to God. Okay. I'm not saying I don't believe in God. I'm saying there is no God to believe in. So when you automatically assume, and then how do you react? Like if someone says to you, like anyone who's not of the mindset that you are, anyone who doesn't have the same belief or the same religion or the same um, politics or the same view about life or a topic or a subject, and you're talking to them casually as if they do agree with you already, how are they supposed to react? If you say, like someone posts the other day, someone that posts all the time and who knows my grandparents and love my grandparents and has grown up knowing me, she's much younger than me, you know, always admired my grandparents, loves loves everything I post, you know, makes good comments all the time. And then, boom, out of the blue, she posts something about everyone who voted for Obama is an idiot. They're just, all the stupid people vote for Obama. And I was like, right, so... How do you react to that, just casually saying, but do you... So you're assuming that everyone you're talking to isn't the stupid idiot who voted for Obama? And we're all supposed to rally around you and go, yeah, idiots. What if I'm not the person who thinks like you? Because I don't think you're stupid for not voting for Obama. I don't give a crap who you vote for, right? But don't assume and then, what's that do? That puts up a brick wall. Because you've just told me to pray. You've just asked me to pray. You've told me you're going to pray for me. I don't believe in any of that. It's a lovely thought. Thank you for thinking of me. But you've just put a brick wall between us. Because it, whatever I say after that, you're not going to accept. You're not going to accept that, oh, I don't believe in any praying or anything. It's really nice thought. I usually just block them. I'm not going to can't block somebody when they're telling you to your face. Oh. I'm talking about real life I, here. I thought you were talking about Facebook people. Well, I'm so. talking about life. People do Nobody it all the time. Nobody ever says that to me. Oh, Nobody people would, do it all the time. I don't even think anybody would say that to me. You don't see that many people in real life. No, though. I'm saying I don't think they would. Uh, I think I disagree. You would have had that recently. <laughs> At an event. And not just that. I understand people have beliefs. I get it. I do too. I have non-believing in anything. I don't want you to stop believing what you believe. I want you to accept before you open your mouth and say a thing that you're not laying down the law that I'm supposed to be following. You may not even realize it. The minority of people on this planet pray to a Christian God. The smallest minority. You know? So don't think just because I'm hanging around with you or that I'm your friend on Facebook or that I work in your office or that I seem like the middle America whatever person who's just going to automatically agree with everything you say. Because when you say that, I don't know where to take the conversation because you're going to get offended. I'm not offended that you want to pray for somebody. I think that's a very nice thought. What annoys me, obviously is that you haven't even given any thought whatsoever to the fact that the person you're talking to has doesn't have that belief, so you've just shut them out. Because no matter what, someone could say to you, oh, well, what if someone were to say to you, oh, well, you know, uh, I'm Buddhist, we don't pray. I'm Muslim, we don't pray to the same God you do. What's your reaction going to be like? 
Oh. Oh. Like, you can't... Co- it's like you. a lot of the people with this thing, there's, there's no accepting that, you know? So just think about it, and then maybe... Maybe amend your sentences a bit. Well, I think those people, would say, if you were Buddhist or whatever, they would just be like, well, pray to whoever then. Pray no, to you're wrong. Because that's not how these people that I'm talking about are. Huh. I mean, They're more, their attitude is more like pat you on the head and grab your little hand and drag you along until you believe what they believe. Because there is no other option, you see. That's what's annoying. Is that there is no... It's like me, you know... But like me constantly being the person in the conversation... I'm, we're having a conversation, and I just throw it out there. Oh, don't forget, there is no God. Don't forget, there's no God. It's just the universe and nature, and that's it. Well, then, how is a person who does believe in a God going to react to that? If I meet it in terms Probably of... Probably one of two ways. They get mad, or they pat you on the head, like you say. Pat you on the head. Or get mad. And say and something. argue with you about it. Argue, or stay silent. Because now they feel like I've just pushed them away. Because I've already decided that this is how it is for everyone. Everyone needs to think this way. I may think. I mean, my thing is that is what it is. Life is what it is. The universe is what it is, right? That doesn't mean I can get in your head and 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 crank all your little gears around. And I wouldn't even you... try with people. Exactly. But that's what it is. When you're telling someone, I'm telling you, pray for my mother. That means you've assumed so much about me already. And then if you say, well, I don't pray because I don't believe it, then you sound like a dickhead. Like, nope, I want your mother to be ill. No. But how about this? The doctors and the nurses and the healthcare professionals and your love and your attention to her. Okay, she's either going to get well or she's going to die. Now, if you pray for your mother for three months and then she passes, then what do you say? Well, we prayed for her and then she died. I guess there's no God? No. It was her time. But if she lives, you're like, oh, prayer worked. I don't get that. So it's just a thing where I've gotten inundated with it lately. And I just would like a little bit more open. Like, I just don't say anything. And then that's, is that reasonable? That the other person just... Yeah, that's fine. How is that reasonable that I then cannot even express... I, I can, obviously, but I understand there's a time Well, if place. somebody says, if somebody, well, you mean in real life, like somebody coming up to you and saying, please pray for yeah. they they do that to you. Yeah. Of course, in conversations often. So you either, and they know that you don't believe in God. No. Or they don't even know. No, I don't, that's what I'm saying. I don't telegraph it constantly. They're not like family, people, they're just right. random. But it's fine for them to tell me to pray because they're telegraphing their I belief would, system I, to everyone. I I would definitely say I, I'm not a... Right, and if you say, oh, well, I don't really believe in prayer, I don't believe in any gods, it is like you've just ripped the rug out from under them. And they've now got the look on their face like either they're... It's weird, really, isn't it? Because I don't believe in gods either. But they can openly start the conversation. No, what I mean is it's weird. I don't believe in gods. Yet. And yeah, I would feel... If if a Christian person said to me, pray or whatever, and I would say, oh, I don't believe in God, so I don't pray anyway. Or go to church or any of that. They would look at me like I am... Um, 
Like, yeah, but all, it's all, fine. All look at me like sad, like, oh, I've got to fix yeah, it. Yeah, and no matter how well, nice you are about it. The other way it, around doesn't work, does it? No. No. That's what I'm saying. It is I like... I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's like the bully idea of the world. But there again, I don't kind of care. I don't really care what they think of me or whatever. I think it, I don't... Oh, no, I don't either. And I there's a time and a place, like I said, I'm in a certain situation where it's just the culture of the place. And they're never and going to convert me. <laughs> so I'm impossible to convert, so... I see it like that, kind of like, well, you know, I respect what you do, because I do. I don't think it's stupid or anything. I, but they're not going to respect you. They no, might say they, they do, no, no. but they will pray They're not going to go, oh, They're yeah. going to go home and pray for you, that you will see the light. Yeah, probably. Now, how... That's like... <laughs> I don't know. It just, it's one of those things, I think it's just because lately it's just been non-stop, and I'm thinking, is everyone... I'm just looking around like... Well, there are everyone... a lot of hateful atheist types. Oh, also, sure, sure, sure. will really go, oh, you idiots. Like, what are you... And I'm not an atheist. I don't have any association with anything. I don't believe in anything. I don't believe in... in I don't believe in not believing. There's nothingness to me. So I don't have... That sounds really bleak, but... I think I have one of the best attitudes about the whole world and existence, but... I don't... Yes, you're right. There are people on both sides that are, you know... If someone would come up to certain people who don't believe in anything, who cl- who do tag themselves as an atheist, hardcore, and you came up and said to them, oh, you know, pray for my dog, we had to take him in, that's like, pray for your dog? Yeah, that, yeah. I don't like, pray for shit. <laughs> like, yeah, and they, they would go into a tirade about yeah. every reason not how, to believe. How ridiculous you I are. I don't have any reasons for you not to believe. I have reasons for you to open your mind and to actually own your belief as your belief and that it's not... Everybody's. So basically, you're a Morpheus. Am I? Yeah. You need to open your mind. <laughs> I say open your mind. That's what Morpheus was. I've tried to look at everything from every angle. I totally get praying. I totally get when you're broken and you feel bad and you're worried about shit and you just want to feel like you're doing something because... And sometimes you just want to get stuff out of your head so you say it out loud or you think it out loud. If, if You'll know what I mean. You get all the words together and get it all thought through, right? That's fine. That's life. That's how we have to get through days, I think. But you've attached a thing to it, which is praying to a particular kind of God that you believe exists, and I don't. But you have the numbers on your side in terms of where we're located, and majority of where we're at in the world, um, that you can just... Throw it out there. Like, it's... Okay, everybody, here's the blanket you have to go under. And if you don't agree with us, and with me, just don't tell me. Don't talk about it. Don't tell... Just pray for me. Just pray. Talking about <laughs> praying, this just came to my mind. In, I sound so evil. I felt like an evil person. If you In the movie Nonstop. Evil, I don't believe in evil either. There's a very small cameo by the guy who's the preacher in True Detective. Do you remember? He's, like, really small, like... Mm-mm. The preacher in True Detective, you remember? In the no. tent. He was preaching in the tent. Oh, but. he's not a cameo, but he's But he's a tiny little piece of... He's in this movie he's for the like... voice. For about in, yeah. five seconds. His actual face. Yeah. I was, that just made me think of it. <laughs> I was like, who is that guy? I've seen him before. Oh, he's the preacher in True Detective. <laughs> and other things. Yeah. So that is my... I don't know how what advice is in there. You know, if you want somebody to pray and think... And think nice thoughts for something that's going on in your life, then maybe, maybe, maybe approach it like that. You know. Good advice. Well, well told. <laughs> it's not, finally executed. It's not good advice. So let, let me remind you about our websites: aschoolie.com and sitsout.com. 
You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Zoom Marketplace, the RSS feed, or you can go to Stitcher.com and listen to it there. You can email feedback to me at asquareasquare.com. Don't email Sid Talk, especially not if you're kind of thinking of praying about her or praying for her or whatever you And want. if you think, oh, I'll just pray for her, how about this? Think about if you all of a sudden, somehow, magically, it's not magic, something in this world showed you that there was actually nothing to believe in or pray to. Just just imagine it. Just think about it. That that switch got turned off and you saw the universe and the world as this magnificent, fantastic, crazy, weird, chaotic, structured ball of life. And that everything happens is just happening and that's just the way it is. Think about think about that then. If, you know? And stay classy, <laughs> Julianne Moore. Is she a miss or a missus? I don't know, miss. I think she's a miss. Mizzed. Um, because you're very classy. I like her. You do like her. And I'm going to say, think for yourselves. Don't even think like me. Just think for yourself. But maybe broaden the scope a little bit. Because if you don't, somebody's probably doing your thinking for you. 